Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Valor Adventures podcast. We are on episode number seven and I'm your host Brandon Neal and across from me is Andrew the Great Fletcher as always and uh, we have uh, another topic today that I think can be super helpful for uh, especially those of, of you that may be newer to hunting, um, things that we've learned over the years of hunting different seasons uh, with different weapons, obviously different animals, uh, you know, deer, elk, antelope, sheep, bear, even predators. And uh, so we kind of want to talk about that today as we're heading into this new hunting season. Some of the hunts have already started. Mike Smith, who was on with us last week, he just started his mule deer hunt, archery mule deer hunt in Nevada. Uh, he saw a nice deer this morning. He just posted, I saw. So uh, it says it's really smoky over there right now because of the fires going on. But <clears throat> good to see that he's seeing some deer. And um, hot time of year to hunt in August, right? I, uh, I love the archery because you do tend to see a lot of bucks, you know, in, in, in velvet. They're usually out. They don't like to be in the thick timber. They don't like to hit their antlers on the, on the, on the trees, right? So a lot of times they're out feeding more and you see more. But what I don't like about the archery is by about 8 a.m. in southern Utah, it's super hot. And, and then uh, you have a really long day before the night hunt starts. And, you know, daytime can be... A long time to kind of, you know, I mean, you can glass and stuff, but it can be a rough, rough middle of the day time, right? So, anyway, Andrew, so here we are. We're, uh, let, let's talk about just kind of getting things kicked off here. Uh, obviously, right now it's pre-rut. Um, elk and deer are in velvet. Elk are probably starting to rub their velvet. In fact, they're probably losing it about now, right? Yeah, should be close. Um, maybe not quite yet, but uh, we're first part of August. They usually strip their velvet off sooner than the deer. They also get their antler growth done quicker than the deer, or I guess earlier in the year than the deer. They also start earlier, right? <clears throat> but um, so maybe we can talk about that. You know, the, the, the pre-rut for both a deer and elk, what should we start with? What do you think? I think scouting right now for elk would be important. It's like I know a lot of guys with elk tags this year. And so it's interesting when you're scouting for elk just depending on what what time of the year your hunt is like obviously utah bow hunt you're going to get pre-rut and then catch the very beginning of the rut it's like if you got a rifle tag or a muzzleloader tag in utah it's like then you're in a rut hunt or just coming out of the rut and then in all the other states pretty much all of your all your bow hunts for elk are during the rut so it's like i think a key thing with elk is realizing what you want to be scouting it's like if i had a bow tag in utah it's like i'm going to be looking for a bull right now just because I got to find the bull to kill the bull, right? But if I'm scouting for a rut hunt, I wouldn't even worry about looking for bulls right now. I'm 100% looking for cows. It's because the bull's going to move where the cows are. So I think identifying that the bulls are not with the cows right now is kind of the first thing to realize with elk. And then like you were saying with deer, right now it's really easy to find good deer because they're freaking everywhere. <laughs> seems like it, right? It seems, seems like, I mean, that's been my experience through the years is you go out right now and you can spot some good deer. You know, but it's it's archery, so you got to get close, and so um, you know it's it doesn't mean it's easier. Uh, some some would argue that it is easier to kill a big deer during the archery, early archery, and I guess if you're you know sitting water or places where you could bait, you know, uh, which you can't do that now, but uh, in, in Utah anyway. But um, you know where 
<clears throat> where uh, you can sit water or whatever, yeah, I suppose it, it could be easier. In fact, I know sometimes, you know, some of the biggest deer are killed right off some of the road, main roads, you know. Um, yeah. They come into that water middle of the day sometimes, and if you happen to be sitting there all day, and same thing with an antelope, right? An antelope come into the water, and you can smoke one there. So, yeah, I think that's that's good. I, that's uh, that's some good tips. I mean, I, um, you know, I think uh, uh, with with deer, you know, they're, they're obviously the bucks are all grouped together and, and in, in bachelor groups, and they remain that way all the way till gosh, end of October a lot of the time. And so, you know, if you can find find a buck, there's usually other bucks with them. Um, I guess sometimes the, the big, big bucks tend to maybe break off sooner, especially as it gets closer to the rut. But my experience has been, too, is, is you know, uh, you've got the, the pre-rut where you're seeing all the animals, and then, especially with deer, then they strip their velvet off, and now their, their uh, antlers aren't so tender, and so now they'll get into the thick timber and and it seems like they lose their velvet and you lose the big deer <laughs> yeah i think a lot of that too has to do with a lot of the pressure it's like by the time they're shedding they've had at least a couple weeks of the bow hunt that's one thing that always drove me crazy is like you can find this big buck you pattern him it's like you got him all figured out and if you don't kill him opening morning and he gets bumped at all it's like you never see him again yeah yeah me a couple years ago you know i saw saw a giant deer and and uh it was opening morning and wasn't able to get a shot off on him and you know, he was probably I mean he was huge he was he was well over 200 probably 220 I'm not joking up in Wyoming and uh, you know buck like that yeah as soon as, as soon as they see the hunters in the hills and uh, not only were we there but there were other hunters in the area uh, I'm sure he saw us and got into the thick timber and didn't come out until rut time you yeah. know that was in September that we saw him and uh, that's just the way it goes you know um, for, for a lot of those big deer, that's how, that's how they get big, right? Um, so, I mean, when it comes to elk, let's, let's, let's maybe stick with elk and then we'll, we'll move into deer and whatever else we, we have time for. But so, so, you know, you're new to hunting, it's August, you're in Utah, you, you drew an elk tag, you drew a limited entry tag on a good unit. I mean, I know you said you're going to go scout for, for where the elk are, where the big bulls are. What are you going to look for? I mean, water, food source, what, what's, what's, the, what's the strategy, Andrew? My first thing with elk is get away from people. Elk are going to be where you don't want to be. It's like, I don't know, but it's like, have you ever killed an elk where it was easy? No. I think every single elk that I've guided on, been with, killed, it's like, they always suck oh. every time. <laughs> it's like, wherever you don't want to go, that's where you should probably go look. It's like, if you find a crap hole, there's probably going to be elk in it. The steepest, deepest. Nasty, dark. The hole. Yeah. Down in a hole. Good yeah. ex- Good example of this. Where I grew up, there's there's a there's a spot on the mountain. It's called Hell Hole is what it's called. Mm-hmm. So when I first started hunting, I was talking to this older guy, killed everything and anything. And he says that exact same thing. He said, go find like the worst spot on the mountain, and that's where the elk will be. So I figured, oh, Hell Hole. That sounds miserable. And yeah. Sure enough, elk. That's where they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you see other hunters in there? No. Yeah. No. There you go. So they were they were hit up and and uh, probably in. I mean, so August uh, are they are they rolling around in the mud holes yet in August? No, probably not. Maybe a little bit to get out of the bugs, but yeah. probably not like the rut. Cool right? off, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So when is the rut gonna start for elk? We're, we're talking September. I would say mid September to late September, but every year's a little bit different too, right? Yeah. 
usually second second third week is when things really get kicking off. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think pre rep before like but if you can catch a mature bull before he's with all the cows, I think that's probably the easiest time to call in and kill a mature bull is in between pre rut and full rut is usually the easiest because they're hunting for cows hard they're usually very vocal and then they're usually not with 20 other elk yeah so what do you do in an area where it's highly pressured where you know other people are out there bugling and and cow calling all over the place do you still go out there and bugle and call cow call like everyone else i mean when when does it when do you cross that line of uh, a cow call is going to spook a big bull and versus going to bring i mean where, where's the line there i mean i guess you just have to go to the area and see how they respond huh yeah i think the biggest difference between like a new elk hunter and somebody that's really experienced is just how like experienced guys how well they can read a bull's emotions based on what he's doing it's unreal it's like if there's a bull and he's bugling just to just to whistle you know it's like that's very different than a bull that's pissed off or a bull that's looking for something you know it's like a location bugle versus a challenge bugle versus it's like being able to identify what's what is like most of the time the best thing to do is just shut up so what do you think the odds are of a, a newer hunter going in and be able to call in a, a bull elk on a general unit typically i mean is, is it something that uh you know i'm sure every state's different but from what from what you've seen guiding I mean, should somebody who's new to elk hunting and, and uh, serious about harvesting a bull, I mean, is, is it worth hiring a guide? Definitely worth hiring a guide. I think that you can also, it's like probably my favorite thing is calling the elk. Like probably my top three or four favorite hunts that I've ever been on were all elk hunts where I wasn't the one shooting. Just because I love calling them. It's like there's nothing in my mind that is more fun than just getting a bunch of bulls riled up and calling them in. I guess that's the ultimate to me. So what's the setup? What's the best setup when you're calling? It really just depends on what what the bull's doing. But like Corey Jacobson, right, he's probably like one of the best out there. His big thing is if, if there's a bull that's bugling, you can kill him, right? Hmm. So identifying what what the bull's doing and where he's at is, is huge. Like obviously if that bull's with 30, 40 cows, like easy way to think about it, right? It's like if you think back, you're in high school, super territorial, right? You got, got your girlfriend. It's like if some guy's yelling at your girlfriend wants to fight, it's like you're probably not going to go fight him. It's like you're probably going to take your girlfriend and you're going to go away. It's like if a bull's already got 30 cows, then he's probably not in the mood to go fight. He'll just take his cows and go somewhere else. Yeah. Right? So challenging a herd bull with, when he's with all of his cows, probably not a thing. But if there's a stud, and it's like if you're in high school and you're, you're the man and then you see somebody with your girlfriend and then he's talking crap, it's like you're going to knock him, you know? Yep. But – so just kind of identifying where bulls are at and also how many cows they have can be tough because like, he's probably not going to branch off 30 cows to come look for you. So if you're cow calling and you're one cow and he's already got 30, probably doesn't care. So identifying what that bull's mentality is like, I think is the number one thing to figure out before you ever start blowing on a call. So let's say you have that situation. You got a big bull. He's got 20, 30 cows. He ain't going to come to a call. How do you hunt him? Real slow. Yeah, you just get in there and we get, you got cow, you got 30, 40 eyeballs on you. Mm-hmm. Double that actually, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> they'll have two eyes and they, they're all they're all eyeing in and they got their nose. So you got to get the wind right. Yeah, I think right? that's the biggest thing with elk is knowing how your thermals work in the wind. Because like, I don't know, like with you, it's like I, you can get away with a lot. It seems like with elk, like a lot of movement, you can be really freaking loud and they don't care. It's like with deer, if you're loud, you blow them out. Yeah. 
if you know if they hear you see you whatever it's like with elk you can get away with a lot as far as them seeing you even hearing you don't really care that much but if they smell you they're over three mountains yeah no that's that's good to know uh something good to keep in mind so Another thing I think happens with a lot, a lot of guys go elk hunting. They go, I'm going to go elk hunting. I'm going to see all these elk. <laughs> and how how often have you been out elk hunting and never seen an elk? And you can't even find the elk. And even you go, man, they're a huge animal. How can they possibly hide? I, I know they're here. I see sign everywhere. But you go hunt for maybe days and you never find the elk. Has that ever happened to you? Always. Elk are so frustrating because, like, every time you think you've got elk figured out, you go on a hunt and you realize you know nothing about elk. It's like they're just so like you look at the different environments that those things live in. It's like they can be out in the middle of the freaking desert, or they can be in a rainforest. You know, it's like good. I have I had this antelope tag last year, and there's like ten trees. I mean, there's nothing. There's no water. There is absolutely nothing. So perfect for antelope, just flat, ugly. And there was one little, I mean, tiny spring, and I was sitting there glassing it, and there was like thirty elk on this thing out in the middle of the desert. I mean. There's nothing oh. out there. And well, they, they're there. a plains animal, right? They actually are a plains animal. And so, you, you, you know, that's, that's what they are. So that's actually, even though we might think, oh, they're up in the trees or up in the mountains, they're also out in the flats. Yeah. The elk are where the elk are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're hunting elk and you're not seeing elk, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you can eliminate where they aren't at the same time. So how often do you move? You're, if, I mean, obviously, if you're not seeing elk, you got to move. Yeah. I think find if you like elevation is key with elk. If you find the the elevation that they're hanging at, then you hunt the elevation. Like once it's funny because you you won't see them, won't see them, won't see them, and then as soon as you see them, you're in them. You know. Yeah. So like finding the elevation is usually the first thing that I try to figure out is which elevation are they depending on the time of the year. Cool. Good. Okay. Good. And then uh, so you got the rut. You got you know when they're in the rut, you can hear, you can I mean, they you can locate them. I've talked to guys who go, man, elk are the easiest thing in the world to hunt because they give themselves up all the time, and you know right where they're at. Probably said by somebody who doesn't elk hunt a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it was, but they've killed a couple of good elk. But I think you know they don't elk elk hunt a whole lot. But that was their. In fact, it was a big mule deer hunter that said that, uh, and that's that was his, um, I guess, take on elk hunting. But he he seriously he. Uh, uh, I think actually his son, his son got the youth tag like two years in a row and killed two, I think both bulls were right at 350. Really? Both of them, two years in a row. <laughs> so How would that be? Yeah, so. Rut hunt, so, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rut hunt, I could. But they were in units that weren't like, you know, real great for elk. I mean, but they they happened to find where the elk were and they spent a lot of time in the hills too, so. Anyway, so you got the rut where you can hear them, and then what about post-rut for elk? How do you hunt them then? So depending on how how post we're talking here, so like... Say November. There's a lot, a lot of November hunts that we... So the first bull tag that I had was a November hunt, but it was it started November 7th. So we're like the first week in November, and that is a really, really tough hunt just because the bulls have... All the mature bulls pretty much branched off from the cows, but then they're also not bats that are grouped up again. So like early November, if you see a bull, like a mature bull, he's probably by himself. So like it was frustrating because we were seeing... Like I was probably seeing three or 400 elk a day, and we saw one mature bull the entire hunt. So... But if you go two weeks later than that, then their bachelor grouped up again in, and they go to some real, like the big bulls will go to like the worst place that you can think of just because they're post-rut trying to recover, eating, you know, it's like they, they go like sanctuary mode, right? Yeah. They, they're wore out. They've been fighting. They're, they're, they're laying up, right? 
they're like you say they're they're on their resort yeah. time and uh, a lot of, lot of uh, need for recovery there. So okay, good, good. What else on elk? What else should we cover? Get a wind checker. Yeah, that's number one. <laughs> I think that's for anything you're hunting, right? Yeah, wind is so key. Wind's probably the number one thing to be aware of. Yeah, when you're hunting anything. So okay, good. So deer. Let's move into deer for a little bit here. I mean, we could we could go on and on and on with all of these, but uh, so deer. Right now, it's August. Where are you going to go to find deer? Up high, where there's water. Yeah, you hear high country mule deer. Although I did see a couple bucks here. I live in the heart of St. George. I saw two bucks running last Sunday morning. Really, farmlands? Uh, no, just uptown. I'm by the airport here. Really? <laughs> Is that crazy? So you know they live everywhere. They, they I mean, we, you know that we've we, there's some big deer that that hang right down by the river bottoms, and we see those every once in a while. But yeah, so high, typically high, high country. And uh, I would definitely look for water. Um, if you can get out, you know, I mean, we're already into August now and the hunts are starting. But if you can get out in, you know, late June, July, uh, set up some cameras if that's legal. I know they're making that illegal in a lot of areas. But if, you know, set up some cameras on some, some water holes. You used to be able to put out some, you know, little food, food uh, supply for them too. Get some of that, whatever, you know, we, you know that we got the, uh, what's it called? We have it on our website. Next level. Next level stuff that's really good. Uh, if you're in an area where you can do that, you know, you can set some of that out, um, you know, but I think that's, that can be helpful. Uh, I've done that several years. It does seem like somehow, some way you see the deer on the camera every day until the hunt starts. And for some reason, they're just not there in you. They just, they, they know, right. They figure it out. They, I think people start moving in a couple of days prior to the hunts and, but you know, not always, uh, a lot of guys that kill the biggest deer, they've got them. They've been watching them for a month before the hunt even started, and opening morning, they know where they're, they've been patterning them, and they go in, and they get it killed opening morning. You see that a lot. Yep. We'll see that this year, too. So uh, I, think that's, I think that's key, and um, yeah, definitely early in the mornings, um, you're going to see them out feeding, and then, you know, right at dark, probably, you know, if it's really hot, you know, they're probably not going to come out until right at dark. Yeah. Seems like kind of a no-brainer, but it's like if people are new in hunting, like how you hunt in the morning versus in the middle of the day like the deer don't move in the middle of the day in case you guys didn't know that they bed oh. not moving oh pretty much right i yeah. mean they, you know they they every once in a while they do something stupid right elk, elk do the same thing i mean you could be sitting in the middle of the day and and you hear stories it has the middle of the day came in and got some got water you know yeah. it does happen i have seen big deer water right in the middle of the day just because usually especially like middle of the hunt it's weird because that's just when it's not busy yep yeah, I think they, they, they probably feel a little safer because most hunters aren't going to sit in their stand or their, their blind when it's 90 degrees out or 85 degrees yeah. out. And Anyway, so. It's interesting, like, how well animals can also pattern hunters. It's like, I think that that happens more often than people think. Well. Like, they're pretty smart. They get crap figured out. They do. They do. No doubt. So then you get into the later... Like in Utah, the later archery hunt, you're getting into September. I used to hunt the Wasatch front a lot years ago, which was really fun to do. And you'd see them in the velvet, and then they would lose velvet, and it was like they disappeared. They were really tough to find once they lost their velvet. I'd still, still, you know, get get on them every once in a while. But um, and again, that's that's because they're going to do what deer do, and, and big deer that the, the rut's not happening. They all they need to do is eat at night. 
uh, make sure that you have enough water and then just hide up in the day in the shade, you know, when it's hot. And uh, there's no reason to be out other than that, right? So I've been on some muzzleloader hunts, and this is something to be aware of. So if you're looking at when you want to hunt mule deer and, and, and see a lot of mule deer, you just need to be aware. You know, velvet, you're going to probably see a lot of deer. They lo- as soon as they lose their velvet till up until the rut or just before the rut, uh, bucks are still going to be paired up, but they're probably going to be a little tougher to find because they're, they're just not out. Yeah, mostly nocturnal. Mostly nocturnal, right? But what I love to do is I love to hunt mule deer during the rut. So if you've got rut hunts, and I mean, I love the Wasatch Front again. So you, you can hunt them all the way until usually the end of November, right? December 1st or whatever it is for, for bucks. And it can be a lot of fun, especially if you get some snow up there. And rut hunting mule deer in the snow is pretty dang awesome. You know, there's there's not a lot of years up on the Wasatch where it work where the conditions are just perfect, but I've hit it a couple times where it just you got bucks fighting all over, chasing all day long, right? All day it, it's overcast or snowing, and weather gets nasty. And you know, you find the does, you see where the does are going to go. If you can head off the does, the does walk in front of you, the buck will come right behind them, right? And something else you can do sometimes, a lot of people don't know this probably, is you can you can take a little. Uh, like predator call, little rabbit call, and squill on that. And uh, those does will come and check it out, right, or do a little fawn bleep. Those does will come check it out, and guess what comes right behind them? The buck. <laughs> so the rut's pretty cool because you find deer and, and you find does, and you just keep looking, and usually there's a buck in there somewhere with them. Yeah. It's fun, too, because it's just nonstop action. It's like usually it's like you got like 30 to 45 minutes right at light and at, at night. That's money. It's like the rut. It's all day. It's like in Wyoming where we go. It's like we that's a rut hunt, and you don't stop hunting all day. Yeah. It's like usually like Utah rifle, you hunt two hours in the morning, two, three hours in the morning, take a break, you can go push, push pines, do whatever, then go hunt the night. It's like you are nonstop during the rut. Same thing with elk. It's like if you're, if you're in elk during the rut, it's like you're running a gun and nonstop all day, every day. Yep. Yep, for sure. So the elk, the elk rut is early, and so the days are still pretty long. Now the deer rut, especially yeah. if you're hunting up in the northern states, they're short days. They like go by so fast, too fast, right? Yeah. And then it's dark. Feels like it gets. I mean, it does. It gets dark at like five o'clock, four thirty, five o'clock. Mm-hmm. If you're up in Montana or you know South Dakota, North Dakota, um, and uh, whitetail and mule deer. I mean, the the rut's going on. That is a fun time to be hunting deer. I I agree, and and it is nonstop action, and uh, just a yeah, just a just a great time. I mean, that, that's for me. I prefer that time of year to be hunting, and um, I don't know. You know, sometimes I wish like they would alternate when they do the rifle and when they, when they do the archery and stuff like that. I kind of wish I, that was the case. Like especially in Utah for elk, right? I mean, put the archery during the rut. Yeah. You know, do the rifle. I don't know, earlier or later. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have the answers, and I mean, I guess I got the reasons why they do stuff, but. I love how they have uh, rut hunts, you know, in Montana and Wyoming and, you know, South Dakota and, and Colorado and, you know, Nevada. And, I mean, they've got those rut hunts going on in uh, the Strip, right? I mean, Arizona, not just Strip, Arizona. Uh, because, you know, they're really, I mean, there really isn't a rut hunt in Utah. I guess there's a couple limited entry 
that yeah. are rut hunts. The the late rifle this year might start to hit a little bit of a little bit of it. Yeah, I wonder why they do that. It's like I wonder if it's so that they can give out more tags with less success, or that would be my guess. I don't know if that's you know that would be my guess, and maybe it is a I don't know. It's catch twenty two, right? I've got a lifetime license, so screw everybody yeah. if they don't have a lifetime license. They, they don't need a tag. <laughs> We're gonna hang this up and I'm gonna <laughs> knock you out of your chair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, cut the tags, cut them all the way to cut them like 90%. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. I get one every year, no matter what, right. Unless they do something crazy, act of Congress to change that, which I guess could happen. Yeah. So and then antelope, antelope are running, uh, October, you know, so, but a lot of the antelope hunts are starting what same time mule deer opens in Utah, like August. Right. Mm -hmm. So hot time to hunt antelope, but that's a good time to sit water. So you're hunting antelope early season. How do you hunt them? have to sit water have to sit water i had very little respect for animal because in wyoming it's like you see them and they're everywhere so it's like i've i've walked up to antelope you know it's like you can walk 50 yards from so it's like what a stupid animal and then last year i had an antelope tag that was an archery tag and nothing will turn you into a rifle hunter faster than an archery antelope hunt i seriously could not get within five six hundred yards of those stupid i think things. you have a lot of people that argue with you but yeah that would that would disagree with you and i don't know if it was just where i was I seriously, and I'm pretty, like, I kill a lot of stuff, and I seriously could not get within 500 yards of these stupid things. It was the wildest thing. Were they pressured? Were they were they disturbed a lot? I think that, because I was hunting on a guy's farm, and I know that he hates them, so it makes me wonder if he'd run them off with four-wheelers, yeah. trucks, whatever. Yeah, maybe but shoot it, at them. It was wild. <laughs> I have never been so angry in my uh, life. Well, that's hunting sometimes, right? Yeah, and you get into uh, October, the same thing. They're 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 in the rut. That right? They're they're you know they're out chasing the ladies and um and uh, gull. I mean, antelope hunts are usually done by are there late antelope hunts like November? I don't even know if they go that late. Yeah, but then they they drop their their sheets. They do start dropping those. Yeah, actually, I know. I think Arizona has some in November. Yeah, you can get a tag in Wyoming. Like I where we go, I can get an antelope tag while I'm deer hunting, but I never do just because. If you see one, he's usually got one horn or yeah. none. Right. A lot of people don't know that. They don't know they lose their She's I've got one here right here in our office that's uh, probably 80-inch goat. It's a good, good size one. So, yeah, that does that does happen. But antelope, I, I love antelope hunting. I think it's fun. And, and antelope, a lot of people don't, don't know this either, I don't think. But antelope tastes really good as long as they don't run. You yeah. Know, if you shoot them and they run or they run and you shoot them, I don't know what they get. I guess they get that testosterone in their muscles and they don't taste as good. But. We've had uh, um, a little taste test where we'd have deer, elk, and antelope on plates, and no one knew what was what, and they would taste them, and they'd pick the antelope as the best-tasting meat uh, often. And I like elk, too. And But, you know, um, anyway, something to think about if you're thinking, man, I don't know, if, why, why would I want to go kill an antelope? Well, if you're a meat hunter, it's a really, you know, great animal to harvest for meat for sure super tender and uh i love the the loins i mean the loins are small you know you can eat a whole loin yourself and pop it on i, I you know anyway it won't, we, won't, we won't get into cooking i'm not a chef but i can cook it good enough to eat it right <laughs> that's all that matters that's you, all that matters you can choke it down and turn it into a turd it counts yeah right <laughs> yeah and then you know sheep are another animal right i mean we uh, hunted desert sheep with my dad a couple years ago and on the zion unit sheep are interesting because it's almost like they're always a little bit ruddy I mean, I guess they have their their rut. They have, I guess, kind of two ruts. They uh, they say, from what I've heard, you know, one um, is in October, and then I think they have another one. They kind of go into it again, like late November, 
December, I've heard. But they, I think they also kind of all year round. So anyway, uh, sheep or sheep, I mean, um, kind of dull sheep. In fact, my dull sheep should almost be done from a taxidermist here. Um, this week, that, I, I'll show you pictures. It's day. getting close, I know. So he's really close. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, sheep are, sheep are just usually top of the mountains, and that's what's fun about sheep hunting. So um, you go on a sheep hunt, you probably, you know, uh, want to spend a lot of time if you're if you're DIYing it, you know, dull sheep you can't do that in Alaska, but you got to have a guide. But if you're DIYing it, you don't, you want to put that time in to go and or hire a good guide because sheep tags don't uh, don't come often. Don't come often or easy. Uh, bear, bear are uh, you know they're rutting in the springtime, May, June, um, you know, so that's 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 bear. Uh, coyotes, you know, coyotes are you know, I love that's my favorite kind of. I know you don't know you know nothing about calling coyotes, Andrew, <laughs> from what you tell me. But I love calling coyotes. Uh, that's that's uh, might be might be my favorite thing to hunt. How do you how do you hunt those different times of the year? <clears throat> yeah, so I haven't hunted them a whole lot in the summertime. Um, I've called a couple in the summer, and summertime you can use pup distress, um, maybe a little bit of uh, you know rabbit, um, but pup distress from my experience in the summer again I, I, the summer just hot they, I, I like to skin them so i prefer to hunt them october and later i'll start hunting them a lot of times in september but it's still pretty warm uh you're you know i'll just go out in the morning or something but uh earlier in the year typically you've got a lot of the pups that are still learning how to hunt they'll come into the rabbit calls typically uh, a lot of times that's all i'll do earlier on is is, is the rabbit as the season progresses into November after the deer hunts, I'll start using some more vocals, you know, howls, um, you know, bird sounds. And uh, typically November, December gets really tough to call them because they've been educated. The dumb ones are all dead. And then, you know, January, typically, you know, again, my experience has been it seems to pick up a little bit. Maybe guys get discouraged or whatever and so you know i don't know what it is i mean you still call fewer i mean there's there's definitely as few coyotes as there are the rest of the year in january january february because again the dumb ones are killed off and the smart ones are educated and they've been shot at and it can be tough to get them to come to a call but i i enjoy the challenge i mean i'll i have no problem going and sitting on a stand for 45 minutes to an hour if i need to and a lot of guys are like why would you do that for a stupid coyote but to me i i love to to work on trying to trick the mature, you know, smart coyotes. And then February, uh, you know, you get into like Valentine's Day is also coyote Valentine's Day. That's, that's when their, their rut starts, right, or their breeding season. And uh, February, March, you know, breeding sounds can be good. Fight sounds can be good. Challenge howls can be good. Uh, you know, they're going to, I mean, a lot of times I'll kind of exclusively go to more of those type of sounds um, in February, March, and I'll hunt them into even May, you know, that's about as late as I've gone. Yeah, but, you know, May, June, July, August, I, I don't do much, if if any, but I know guys that do, guys go out and they use, use Doggins, pretty uh, popular in the summertime, which I've never done that. Um, and there's guys that are also out using the thermals, um, which... I've got a thermal myself, but I personally just like calling him, seeing him come to a call in, in the in the day. In the day, I I, I kind of hate that the thermal game has become so popular. 
because I think that's been a big issue. I mean, I think the last couple of years has definitely been a lot tougher to hunt coyotes from my, you know, from previous years. And I think they're just getting slaughtered. There's, they're not getting a break, you know, hunted all night, all day. And they're predators. So a lot of times they're out hunting at night. And uh, I know, I know a lot of guys that are, man, thermal is the best way to do it. It's so much more fun, but I don't know, man. I, I like to sleep at night, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I, I just, I don't know, there's just something about the daytime having them come to a call to me is just... The, Seems like it'd be fun to watch them come rather than just yeah. there it is, kill it. That's what I think. And I know guys call them with the thermals too. I mean, that that does happen, but they're, they're in a thermal. You can't, I mean, it's, you know, so... Yeah, I... Uh, those of you that hunt with thermals, stop it. Just stop. <laughs> just just calm down a little bit, right? Maybe 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 limit it. You can do it once a year. <laughs> Go once a year. Uh, no, I mean, I'm kind of one of those guys like, man, if we could manage coyote hunting and, and have areas where you can only kill so many coyotes per year or have a limit, I would almost be for that. Like your limit's four a day or something like that, you know. Um, but obviously that's not going to happen because they're, I mean, there's a reason we predator hunt, right? And it's, it really is to control that population because if coyotes do get out of control, they, they wreak havoc on, on fawns and, and, uh, and cattle and they, uh, yeah, they, they pack up and. Yeah, definitely seems like there's less in Utah than any of the other states that I've hunted. Do you see them? As far as coyotes, you mean? Yeah, coyotes. It's like you see coyotes. Like I've never, well, maybe three or four times, like where you're just like walking around, you see a coyote, you know? It's like in Wyoming, like you could seriously hunt these coyotes like rabbits almost, like where we go. Yeah, I think there's a a reason. I mean, I think there's a lot of BLM in Utah. A lot of guys go out and hunt the heck out of the BLM. So, um, you know, all the public land. And in Wyoming, there's a lot more private land. So you're hunting private land usually when you're in Wyoming. Yeah. When you're hunting deer, right? That's why. So they're just not hunted as often on the pub, on the private because... They need more Brandon Neals up in Wyoming. Yeah, if you guys need any help in Wyoming, Montana, Utah, and you live on a private ranch, just call me. Get a hold of me, please. I'd, I'd, I'd love to come we'll, and help we'll you out We'll twist Brandon's toes and get him up there to kill your coyotes. Yeah, for sure. Arizona, same thing, right? Arizona is a lot of BLM. Uh, Nevada, same thing. You know, there's a lot of country, but, you know, I think a lot of guys get out and take advantage of that public public land. It's just the way it is. It's the way it goes. So, uh, anyway, what else? Anything else we want to talk about today? We're about, to, we're, our time's about up. We don't want to, you know, we know people can only take so much at a time before their brains <laughs> get full of all this incredible information. So, we don't want to give, give it all to them all on one podcast. Feed them with a fire hose. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, hey, you know, um, hopefully our crazy world we're living in right now will uh, become less crazy, but I'm not counting on it because I don't think it's going to. But, you know, maybe maybe we can we can hope for the best and uh, all this uh, nonsense that's going on all around us uh, will start to pass on. But hopefully we can get in the hills and do some hunting and forget about all of it for the time we're out in the hills and get out there with our family and our kids and, and enjoy the outdoors. So, uh, hey, hopefully you're enjoying this. Uh, give us some feedback, rate our podcast, let us know, you know, what we can do better, what, what you'd like to hear. It helps us uh, provide better information for you. Uh, if you, if you catch something that you, you feel is inaccurate, we're, we're not, our ego's not too big. You can let us know, Hey, that was inaccurate. You should, you should, uh, correct that. We're happy to do that. Um, you know, check us out on valoradventures.com, rollingbonesoutdoors.com. We have an awesome new, I'm holding it right now, uh, a broadsheet magazine. Uh, it's, we call it our magazine. It's actually a newspaper. So newspaper is back for Rolling Bones. The reason we're doing that 
is we can provide um, we can provide it monthly, which is what we're working into right now. And uh, it's got some incredible information in it uh, on everything from how to get on more hunts to uh, how to hunt better to awesome stories. Just you're going to learn a lot from it. And uh, check out our membership because as a member, you, you're going to get that um, every single month here shortly. And, uh, yeah, if you get on there right now, we'll, we'll, we'll even send you one prior to being a member so you can get a taste for it. Just let us know you want it, and we will get it to you. Really good. So, all right, Andrew. Well, hey, that's it for this week. Uh, happy hunting, and we'll talk to you all again next time. We'll see you.